as you may be able to tell, uh, we are about kids. We are about children. We are about the next generation. And, of course, that's what your message is going to be about. However, it's not going to be the message that you suspect. And I pray that it's going to be a message that will touch your heart. In his book entitled Point Man, a man named Steve Farrar focuses on godly men who are leading their wives, leading their families, and even leading their, their friendships. And here's what Steve says in that book. He says, we are all selfish. Would you agree with that? We are all selfish. We are selfish to the core. And, God, and Steve says, God sometimes has to deal with us and deal with our selfishness by giving us someone to care for that's infinitely more selfish than us. Babies. Babies are not only the cutest creatures on the planet, Miss Ashley <laughs> and Miss Amanda, they're not only the cutest creatures in, on the planet, but they are also by far the most selfish. Farrar goes on to write, he says, the way that God dealt with my selfishness was to give me someone to serve who has zero interest in serving me. It showed me that God has quite a sense of humor. And he says, not too many people in the world could out-selfish me one-on-one. -on -one. But babies can do it. Anyone who has had a baby has met their match. Each one of my kids, he said, resembled me. They didn't look like me, but they sure did resemble me when it came to being selfish. That meant that somebody in the family was going to have to grow up. Guess who got nominated? Me. And he said there was one lesson I learned. And here's the lesson. Are you ready for this? The lesson is this. Babies are real cute, but not when they have to shave. Somebody's got to grow up. You know, we also have babies in the church. Babies that really need to grow up. There's a lot of people who may hear a message from God from the Word, but that doesn't mean that they're going to listen to that Word or listen to the Holy Spirit when it comes time to apply it come Tuesday night for Grow or Wednesday night for CIA. But James does teach us to be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. The Corinthian believers that I'm going to be talking about today had been given the milk of the word. They had been given the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they became believers in that, God, that gospel. And they had been given the essential vitamins, if you will, of a life in Christ. Now... The problem was, is that even though they had partaken of that milk of the word, the gospel, the essential vitamins, they remained worldly. Paul said they remained carnal. They remained fleshly. They kept acting like they used to act. And so 
I tried to envision how that must have looked in the Corinthian church. And I envisioned that when it came time for the people of the Corinthian church to volunteer for their children's ministry, um, I bet you that they would say stuff like, man, I just ain't got time. I bet you those believers, those infant believers would say, you know what, I got to work all day. I ain't got time for the next generation. I'll bet you that some of those Corinthian believers would say, you know what, I'm just too old. I bet you some of them said, you know what, I don't know the Bible well enough to lead kids. I'll bet you that some of them said, hey, I don't deal with kids very well. I'll bet you some of them said, I'm the mo- not the most patient person in the world. I hope you heard what I heard, because I heard excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse. But I'll bet you that those ones that were making the excuses were also the very first ones to complain about the state of their nation. I bet those ones that were making excuses were the first ones that didn't realize that these same children that they were excusing themselves from leading were the ones that were going to lead the country next year, next decade, while I'm old. But then something happened. God got a hold of those believers. God got a hold of them, and when God got a hold of those believers, those believers that were still acting like infants, something dramatic happened. Throughout the Bible, there's a little short phrase that tells us what happened. And that phrase is, but God. In fact, that little phrase, but God, is used 61 times in the Bible. And each one of those instances reveals a dynamic shift in thought or in action or in both. Maybe things were going one way, but God changed their direction. Perhaps a person was living one way, but God influenced them and they changed their direction. Perhaps there was a church who had a self-satisfied attitude, but God changed their way of thinking and the church changed for the glory of God. Those two little words, those two little words have monumental Importance. In Genesis chapter 50, Joseph knew it. For those of you that don't know the story of Joseph, his own brothers sold him into slavery. But he had experienced God's hand in the midst of his circumstances. And after many patient years, Joseph actually came to be second in command to the Pharaoh of Egypt. And when he encountered his brothers years later, Joseph said, As for you, my brothers, you meant this for evil, but God meant it for good 
in order to bring about this present result and to preserve many people alive. Did you see the contrast? Before it was evil, but God meant it for good. The psalmist knew it in Psalm 76. He knew the magnitude of those two little words. He said, my heart and my flesh fail. But God is my strength and my portion forever. Do you see the contrast there? The psalmist was failing miserably. But God became his strength. In Acts chapter 13, Paul preached about the power of those two little words. And he wrote, when the Jewish religious leaders and Pontius Pilate had fulfilled all that was written concerning Jesus, they took Jesus down from the cross and they laid him in the tomb. But God, but God raised him from the dead. Do you see the contrast? He was laid in the grave to die, but God raised him to new life. And Paul also wrote wrote to the believers in Ephesus, saying, But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love for us, even though we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. Do you see the contrast there, friend? Before you were a Christian, you were dead in your sins, but God made you alive. This morning, we're going to encounter yet another instance where there's a way of thinking, but God intervenes and puts us in line with his way of thinking, with his thoughts that are so far beyond our own. Today, the scriptures provide us with some encouragement, I believe, as we prepare to commit our lives for the next school year to Christians in Action here at Bethel. Let me share with you and follow along, if you will, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8. Listen to what Paul writes to these baby believers. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to worldly people. As to babes in Christ, I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you weren't able to receive it. Even now you are still not able For you are still worldly. And where there are envy and strife and divisions among you, are you not worldly and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another says, I am of Apollos, are you not acting worldly? Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God, did you hear that? But God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, here it is again, but God. But God gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and get this part, y'all, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Interesting. Let's look at some encouragements that we can find from this short passage about preparing our hearts and our lives for Christians in action this year. 
First of all, I'm encouraged to know that I'm only a farmhand. I ain't nothing but a farmhand. There in the first part of verse 5, Paul says, Who then is Paul and who is Apollos but ministers through whom you believed? Now, as we consider our role in CIA, here's what comes to my mind. Two hours every Wednesday is a lot of time. I don't have any training teaching kids. I'm not the most patient person in the world. Surely there are more qualified people than me to lead children. Well, friend, even though Paul was one of the greatest Christian missionaries there ever was, he never looked at himself that way. He realized he was far less than that. What I want you to do is I want you to take a pen or pencil and I want you to do me a favor. Take your pen and I want you to circle the word in verse 5, ministers. Because I want you to know what that word ministers means. Because you think that that means, oh, Brother Bill's the minister. This applies to him. Brother Chad Hall, oh, he's the minister. This is what Chad's got to do. But here's what minister means. Minister is translated servant. Minister is translated farmhand. Minister can be translated waiter, or, or better yet, busboy. See, we're just farmhands. We're just busboys and girls for the Lord. So when the Christian believer or the Corinthian believers were arguing about whether they were going to follow Paul or whether they are going to follow that great preacher, Apollos, Paul said, who are we? Who are we? We're not the ones in whom people believe. We're only the farmhands through whom people believe in Jesus. We're only busboys. We're only servants. Man, I'm just a farmhand. But we can't be farmhands while sitting on the porch. To be a farmhand, you've got to be laboring out in the field. And you can't be planting seeds of faith. You can't be nurturing seeds that have already been planted unless you're laboring out in the field. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Christians in action may very well be the greatest mission field we have. Are you sitting on the porch or are you laboring in the field? But God. See, here's the promise of God, friend. If you will do your part, God will do his. But we're just farmhands. Here's another encouragement. It's good to know that I'm not responsible for the growth. That burden's way too heavy for me to carry. God is the one who provides the growth. Let's look there at the end of verse 5. Because Paul writes to these believers saying, As the Lord gave to each one, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. 
That, that little phrase there at the end of verse 5 was translated many different ways. One translation says, uh, as the Lord gave to each one. Another translation says, as the Lord has assigned each one his own task. Another translated it, as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. You see, a farmhand is very limited in what he can do by himself. I'm glad that I'm not the only farmhand in the church here at Bethel. Amen? We're all farmhands. It's the Lord who makes it all happen. We're just the farmhands. Now, it's important to see also that, yes, the Lord provides the increase. That is the growth. But the Lord also is the one who provides the opportunities for growth. We talked about this in our life group, didn't we, brother? God gives us the opportunities. He provides life groups for you to go to. He provides worship opportunities for you to go to. He provides Bible studies for you to go to. And friend, he provides Christians in action so that our children can grow and they can be nurtured. See, God provides each one of us these opportunities to be bus boys, to be bus girls, all for his glory. Now, here's the question for you. If you're just a farmhand, if you're just a busboy or a girl, are you only concerned with yourself like the Corinthians were? Are you making up nonstop excuses about why you can't? Or are you willing to yield yourself for the glory of God? The promise of Scripture is this. If some of you will plant... And if others of you will water, God will bring the increase. If we'll do our job, God will do his. And God will increase the, the quantity of the plants. He'll increase the quality of the plants. And he'll increase the harvest of the plants. If we'll just be a farmhand and do what we're supposed to do. But God, if you'll do your part, he'll do his. Here's another encouragement for me. Because I'm all about immediate results. Anybody else like me? Come on. I want it now. I'm working hard. I want it now. But the harvest requires patience. Look there in verse 7. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, there it is again, but God. But God who gives the increase. Friend, let me ask you this question. Who in their right mind plants a crop of corn today and expects to be eating corn on the cob tomorrow? Anybody? I hope you're not that crazy. But we act that way sometimes at church, don't we? Your pastor acts that way sometimes. Man, I'm planting seeds. I want some decisions now. I want my corn on the cob now. Friends, the seeds of faith that we plant, the ones that we plant even this year at Christians in Action, friend, they may not be harvested till next year. They may not be harvested for 10 years. Those seeds that we plant this year may not even be harvested in your lifetime. But listen to this that is totally irrelevant. It's totally irrelevant. Why? Because only God can bring the increase. 
Only God can bring the increase. We are only the farmhands. We're just the laborers out in the field. But Bill, certainly we've got to be able to define success somehow. How do we go about defining success? Well, I'll ask you this. How many God-given opportunities are you taking to plant seed? How many, get this, God-given opportunities have you taken to plant seeds of faith in the lives of other people or in children? If you've been a good planter, then you've been successful. We're just farmhands. Have you been a faithful farmhand? Friends, that is how our success is determined. Are you laboring in the field? Are you lounging on the porch? Which one have you been doing? Our chief concern is to plant as much seed as possible. And friend, if the seed has already been planted, and in a lot of our kids it has, then it is our job as farmhands then to nurture that seed, to water that seed, to develop that seed, to put a stick beside that plant to keep it straight up, to encourage that seed, to care for that plant, friend, to cultivate that plant that's growing in the name of Jesus. We're just farmhands. We're just farmhands. You may never see the harvest, but that's not our concern. Only God gives the increase. But God, if you will do your part, he will do his. Now there's a final encouragement that I received here. And that is that rewards come from faithful labor. Verse 8. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. And each one will receive his own labor, his own reward. Say, own reward. According to his own labor. Say, own labor. Okay, what was the first one you said? Say it louder. Own. From your own. Your own. From your own. One more time. From. Uh-oh. Y'all understand that now, don't you? First of all, Verse 8 tells us that we're all on the same team. We're all on the same team. We're all on equal footing at the foot of the cross. We're all on the same level when it comes to God. Does everybody understand that? I'm no better than you by any stretch of the imagination, and you're no better than me. We're all on the same level. We're all farmhands. We're all busboys and girls. We're all servants. And one servant is not above another servant. One farmhand is not better than another farmhand. We're all the same. We're all part of the same body. We're all having the same hope. We've all worshipped the same Lord. We're growing in the same faith. We're partaking of the same baptism. Friend, we've got the same God and Father of all. We're the same. We might do different tasks as farmhands, but we're all the same. But I want you to notice 
what you repeated there at the end of verse 8. Each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. That means that each one of us has a responsibility before God. Paul wrote to the Roman believers saying something similar because he said, so then each one of us shall give an account of himself to God. He wrote another letter to the Corinthians and here's what he said. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So it's a a thought process that is repeated in the scripture. Do you want to know what really thrills a pastor? I need to know. Do you really want to know what thrills a pastor? Here's what thrills a pastor. When a pastor hears one of his church members out in public say, man, you are not going to believe how fast our church is growing. Oh, man, pastors love that. But it's kind of bittersweet if the one saying it only shows up on Sunday morning. You see, it's, it's bittersweet that way because that person actually thinks that he or she is going to be rewarded because they attend Sunday services so well. Verse 8 says, each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. If you were rewarded today, if you were rewarded today for your own labor in the Lord, what would your reward look like? I remind you today that being saved and Becoming a part of the family of God does not depend on good works. But I will also remind you that being saved and being part of God's family does result in good works. Amen? Y'all see the difference? You don't come into the family because of good works, but man, once you're there, you love it. That's That's what children of God love to do. It's a labor of love. And the scriptures tell us that Jesus died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again. See, it's not all about us. It's all about God. But God, if you will do your part, He will do his. Now, friend, you may not know this, but August the 10th, tomorrow, marks my 10-year anniversary of the first time I preached here at Bethel. 10 years. It seems like it's been 50. I'm only kidding. (laughs) It only seems like it's been 10 months. What a blessing. How many things have I been able to be a part of as you have served the Lord faithfully? One thing I've learned is this. There's always something that needs to be done in a growing church. Amen? I mean, God's work is never done 
There's always somebody that needs help. Agreed? I mean, there's always lost people that need to hear about Jesus. Right? Right? But listen to this. There's also children, always children, who need to be taught the Word of God. That's one dynamic that will never leave the church of Jesus Christ. We will always have children that need to be taught the Word of God. There's so much to be done. And it's important for us to know that we all share in the work. We all share in the work. So I want to ask you this morning. Will you plant seeds of faith in Jesus in our children this year? Will you commit to nurture seeds that have already been planted in the lives of our children? And I guess more importantly, will you secure your own reward by laboring in the fields of the Lord? Friend, this morning, our decision time is different. During our decision time, we have a list. A list of those who will commit. Say commit. Because let me tell you what happens with CIA. CIA typically, like a lot of ministries, starts strong. And as time continues on, the commitment begins to fade. And we need to remind ourselves that this is a commitment through the entire school year. You may decide at the end of this school year, you ain't having no more of that. <laughs> but I'll tell you that you, you won't feel that way. So during this decision time, yes, you can come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'll lead you through the understanding of the Scripture so you can be saved and become part of the family of God. But for you believers, for the family of faith here at Bethel, I want to encourage you, if the Lord is leading, for you to come up and sign this document, sign this contract with your name and your phone number saying that you'll come and for two hours every Wednesday you'll plant seeds in our kids. You'll nurture seeds in the life of our kids. You will secure your own reward by laboring in the field of God. It's a commitment. But even more than that, what I'm asking this year is I'm asking for people who will take ownership in the children. That you will make this your ministry. That this will be yours. And you will take pride in it. And you will be devoted to it and committed to it. Because, friend, we have a bad habit in the church sometimes. And I'm thankful that it doesn't happen here. But it can, and that is sometimes the adults give up on the kids. And there's no place for that here. Two hours. Just through the school year. We'll give you summers off, amen? What was that we saw on Facebook? Don't, wouldn't you love to be a teacher? Nine to three and summers off. I saw her on Friday. It wasn't pretty. She's pretty, but, but it wasn't pretty, Amen. That was tough. One day, first day. One day, one day a week, 
through the school year, planting seeds in the life of children so that the next generation can lead us into a more godly foundation. Let me pray for you, but I pray you take this seriously. And remember, it's a commitment. Father, in